So imagine that you and your three closest friends have been nominated to participate in the newest reality show. And after you and your friends are choppered in, you receive the challenge and the details of the game and are introduced to the host. Now imagine it's at this moment that you realize that this game is more like the Hunger Games than Survivor. There are six teams of four and you will play to the death. Not that someone has to die, but just simply that someone will die. And the terrorists who are hosting the game have captured your family to make sure that you will fully cooperate in the game as it unfolds. You and your team are about to be choppered in and dropped on an abandoned island in the middle of the jungle. The island has been prepared with landmines and booby traps, and there are rogue animals that have been fed steroids for months that are just poised to attack competitors. There are stashes of supplies hidden throughout the island. Weapons and other methods of defense are booby-trapped. So getting to them is very tricky. At the last second, as you are about to drop in your parachute out into the island, the pilot of your chopper grabs you by the shirt. And he says, this is your backpack. It's filled with supplies. It's all you have to survive on this island. And then he whispers really quiet, I've hidden a map inside your pack. It was created by the designer of the sick and twisted island labels everything it lets you know where the booby traps are it lets you know the shortcuts it lets you know everything you need to know you can tell by the look in the pilot's eyes that he's trying to save your life you land on the island and you quickly gather your team together you dump out the bag of supplies from the pilot and you begin to evaluate what is it that you have to actually survive sure enough there's the map you unfold it and take a quick look and quickly explain to your friends what the pilot told you right after they jumped and before you did. Imagine that one friend takes the attitude of, who cares about the map? He argues that his wit and his skill are equal to any old fashioned map. He says, screw the map. It doesn't really matter. It's probably not accurate. It's probably outdated and it's no better than my own ideas about how to survive on this island. Just then, across the island, he sees a bow and arrow. And he says, look at that. We gotta get that if we're gonna survive. And he takes off running. And you remind him, wait, the host told us the best Supplies are booby-trapped, but right then, he steps into the spot where the bow is and boom, blows. You're shaken to your core. You're like, that just happens. You don't have time to cry, you're just in horror and disbelief. You search the map, you determine your exact location, you figure out where that bow should have been, and there, right on the map, it's labeled. It said there would be a landmine in that exact spot, right where your friend stepped. Game changer. How do you treat this map now? It's, it's like gold. It's absolute truth. truth. It's clearly been designed that someone who knows how this island was created is designed by someone who, who wants to keep you safe. And it's obvious 
by the tragedy that happened to your friend that it's pretty accurate. So what do you do next? You pour over the map. You study it. Every last detail, you memorize as much as you possibly can. You treasure it above all of your other possessions. You take it at face value and you guard it with your very life. Now, what if I told you that we, we are contestants on the greatest reality show ever? Our life, everything that we're about is a giant journey and we live in hostile territory that's designed by a terrorist called the devil. Now what if I told you God, the great designer, the great creator of this entire planet had given us the truest guide that there is on how to live life on this planet, the Bible. The Bible is the words of life and they will lead us away from every pitfall and away from every booby trap. Yet there are some people in this life, like the friends in our example today, who thinks that they know better than the map that God has given to us. And the Bible even warns us to be on the lookout for them. Proverbs 16, 25 says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. The Bible tells us and it teaches us. It's designed to point out the booby traps and the pitfalls, the dark corners and the blind spots. It warns us about things that we cannot possibly see or know on our own. It tells us where to get the necessary supplies in this life. And each one of us has a choice about how are we going to view this roadmap that God has given to us. How are we going to treat it? The Bible brags about itself a lot. It says in 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all scripture, and scripture is a fancy word for the Bible, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Now the Bible can be a little bit overwhelming to some people because it's big, right? Now, obviously, the Bible, you probably, every single person probably has at least one somewhere in their home. Maybe it's their grandma's Bible. Maybe it's on a coffee table and no one's allowed to touch it. Or maybe it's one that gets used on a regular basis. But not all Bibles are exactly the same in some ways. Because originally, the Bible was not written in English. It was written thousands and thousands of years ago in Hebrew and in Greek. And then it was translated by scholars into English. Well, some of those translations were done around the time that William Shakespeare was alive. And so it has a lot of these and thous and arts. It is really flowery, beautiful, but hard to understand. Other translations were done in the last 10 or 15 years and are much more fluid to the way that we talk and communicate in simple everyday languages. So when we look at this giant book, some of you might even say at some point you picked up a big old Bible laying around your house and you started to read it and maybe felt a little bit overwhelmed. So we want to kind of open it up for you and show you a little bit of what goes on inside this book. Because here's the truth. It's not just one giant book, really. It's one giant book, but it's way more like a huge literature book that you might be assigned at school. It has a lot of little books on the inside. 66 smaller books make up 
this one big book. And each one of those smaller books can be opened and read for itself. The first book of the Bible is Genesis. And you can kind of go through all the different books. The Old Testament, before Jesus, altogether there's 39 books about that time in history. From the creation of the world to when right before Jesus comes. And then after Jesus comes, the New Testament the, that narrates the story of Jesus and what he went through, 27 books talk about that. Now, how many of you love action-adventure kind of stories, right? That's what you're into? So if you love action-adventure, you should look for a book like Joshua. It's very adventurous. Or maybe you would like First and Second Samuel or First and Second Kings. These are all about battles and wars and the story of David and Goliath and the story of Benaiah wrestling a lion in a pit on a snowy day with his bare hands and winning. These are about all kinds of action stories throughout the history of God's people. So if that's what you like to read, open the Bible. Don't just turn to page one. Use the table of contents in the front of the Bible and find one of those books that's packed with action adventure. Maybe you like poetry and you're really into that and that makes you like happy and peaceful inside. The book for you is Psalms. Psalms is filled with poems about God that have turned into songs and, and, and love music towards God. It's amazing. If that's your speed, read this. If you hate poetry, don't start with Psalms. You got to figure out what it is that you like. Now, how many of you aren't big readers? You just don't really like to read that much. Okay, listen closely. Proverbs. Proverbs is the book for you. I hope that you all develop a love for reading because people who read end up making the most money. True, true statement. But anyways, Proverbs, one sentence zingers that can change your whole life, okay? One sentence that just imparts wisdom and instruction to you. So there's all different places that you can start reading in the Bible. All about sex, just letting you know, just in case you're wondering. There's all kinds of different stuff that you can read in the Bible. And the idea isn't to start on page one and just read through everything. That's not the best way to read the Bible. The best way to read the Bible is think about what am I interested in and go to that and start learning from there. Now, I have said for many years, get a Bible and read your Bible, because reading your Bible is going to change. Reading the Bible is going to change your life. And I always encourage students, if they don't know where to start in the Bible, to use the table of contents and come to the second book of the New Testament, the book of Mark. Now, the book of Mark tells the story of Jesus' life. A couple other books in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all tell the story of Jesus' life from different perspectives. But I like Mark because it's the shortest. And also, it doesn't start with a list of who was born to who, born to who, born to who, which can be kind of confusing and slightly dry. So Mark is action-packed. It's filled with stories of miracles. And if you read the book of Mark, you will come to understand a lot more about who Jesus is. The whole book of Mark, how long you think it is? One page is incorrect, 20 pages is incorrect. It's about nine or 10 pages. Not that long, okay? Nine or 10 pages, it's a total of 16 chapters in the Bible, but that sounds longer than it is because each chapter is about one column. 
And the book of Mark is a quick, easy way to get to understand who Jesus is. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, one of the best, most important things you can do is start reading the Bible for yourself. So we're throwing out the challenge. The series is called The Bible Project. And the challenge is this. Read the book of Mark this week. Now, to help you understand a lot about the book of Mark in a short period of time, we're going to show you this quick video all about the book of Mark. The Gospel of Mark is a book in the Bible about the life of Jesus. And the earliest reliable tradition tells us that it was written by a guy named John Mark. Now, Mark didn't just grab a bunch of random stories about Jesus and throw them together. He's designed this book to address some really specific questions about whether or not Jesus was the Jewish Messiah. So let's stop right there because that's a term a lot of people like me aren't very familiar with. Yeah, so the Messiah was a royal figure, sometimes called the Son of God, that Israel was expecting to come and set up a kingdom here on earth. And around the time of Jesus, Israel was occupied by Rome, and so many Jews were hoping that the Messiah would come and overthrow the Romans and rule as king. But Jesus didn't overthrow the Romans. In fact, he was killed by them. And that brings us to the very issues Mark is trying to get at in this book. So in the first half, he focuses on who Jesus is. Is he really the Messiah? And then in the second half, he's addressing how Jesus became the Messianic King. And then right here in the middle of the book is this pivotal story that brings the two halves together and Jesus answers both of these questions. Okay, so let's talk about the first half of the book, who Jesus is. So Mark makes his beliefs about Jesus very clear from the first line of the book. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. One of the next stories is Jesus getting baptized and God's voice announces from heaven, this is my son. So it couldn't be more clear, it's presenting Jesus as the Messiah. Yes, but as you're reading through this first half of Mark, you'll notice something really interesting start to happen. Jesus is going about healing all these different people, and he's constantly telling them to keep quiet about who he is. This happens so many times in Mark's account. It's very strange. Yeah, why keep it a secret? So remember, lots of Jews had lots of different expectations about what the Messiah would be and do. And so Jesus doesn't want people to misunderstand what it means for him to be Israel's Messiah. And so with all that in mind, we come now to the pivotal story at the center of the book where Jesus takes his disciples away and he asks them, who do you all say that I am? And Peter says what everyone's been saying, you're the Messiah, the Son of God. But then something new happens because Jesus starts explaining to them how he's going to become the Messianic King and it is not what they expected. He says he's going to suffer and die and rule by becoming a servant or in his words, the Son of Man did not come to be served but to become a servant and to give his life as a ransom for many. Peter is startled by this and he rebukes Jesus because there's no way he's going to let Jesus die. And Jesus responds, get behind me, Satan, which is really intense. It really is. But it highlights how important it is for Jesus that his disciples come to understand who he really is. And so here now in this pivotal section, Jesus tries three different times to have this conversation with them. And every time they respond in confusion and even fear. Okay, so this launches us into the second half of the book where Mark addresses the question of how Jesus becomes the Messianic King. It's the last week of Jesus's life. He goes to Jerusalem, gets in conflict with the religious leaders and gets arrested. And he's put on trial as someone who's claiming to be the king of the Jews. He's even given a crown and a purple robe like a king would get, but it is all a cruel joke. 
Then he's mocked and beaten and hung up on a cross where he dies. And it's here in this crucial scene that we meet a new character. A Roman soldier. Who suddenly gets everything that's going on. He says, surely this is the son of God. Which is crazy. It's an enemy who's first putting it all together that Israel's messianic king is the crucified Jesus. That's the structure of the book of Mark. But the book doesn't end with Jesus dead on the cross. No. So on the third day, some women go to visit Jesus' tomb, only to find that it's empty. And then there's this angel standing there, instructing them to go and tell this good news that Jesus is alive from the dead. But instead, they run away and they don't tell anyone because they're afraid. And that's how the book ends. Which is a really abrupt ending. Yeah, it's so abrupt that later scribes did add an ending that brings more closure to the story. And you'll find that story in your Bible with a little footnote that says it was added much later. But Mark's a brilliant storyteller, and he's intentionally ended this book abruptly. So all through the book, the disciples have been confused about Jesus' plan to give up his life, the story in the middle and now right here at the end. It's like Mark is acknowledging just how startling this claim really is. And he wants you, the reader, to wrestle with it for yourself. Is this crucified Jesus really the Messiah that they've been waiting for? Well, the answer to that is yes. This crucified king really is the Messiah. But it's not just enough for you to hear me say it as the pastor. I want you to get a hold of a copy of the Bible. And I want you to use a table of contents and get to the book of Mark. It's more or less a little bit like two-thirds the way through and read the story of Jesus for yourself in the words of John Mark. Like I said, it's about 10 pages. And reading it, you'll start to see who Jesus is, what he values, what he likes, all kinds of miracles he did in his life, and a lot about his personality. A lot of you this last week said, I want to make a commitment to be a lifelong follower of Jesus Christ. And part of being a lifelong follower is getting to know Jesus for yourself. Not just taking my word for it, but getting to know him for yourself. And one of the best ways to do that is to spend some time every day opening up your Bible, reading it, and then talking to God about it in prayer. Now, some of you have access to a Bible, but some of you do not. And here's a simple, easy way to get a Bible. If you have a phone or a device, you would take out your phone or device and you would go to your app store. When you go to your app store, there is a app available and what you would do is you would simply type in Bible in the search area and you would see a kind of boring looking app cover that looks exactly like that brown one right there that says Holy Bible. This is called the U version of the Bible and it is a free app that has a lot of options. Download that app onto your phone or to your, your device. Then what you do is you need to open it, and so you open it, you open the device, once it, or the Bible, once it downloads, and what'll happen is you see down on the bottom, there's a little brownish, grayish book that says read, and that's circled in red there. What you do is you click that, and when you click on that, it will take you to a spot where you can see right in that red circle up there, it says KJV. KJV is a translation of the Bible that sounds a lot like Shakespeare. That's the these and the thous and the arts, and it's really, really hard to read. So the first thing you need to do is you need to change the translation. And the way that you change the translation is by clicking on KJV, and then a list of choices will come up, and you choose NLT or New 
Living Translation. This is a modern translation of the Bible done in about the last 20 years, and it's the one all the pastors here at 4640 use to read out loud to you when we're explaining God to you. It's very easy to understand. Then once you've done that, then you can choose a Bible reading plan. And you can go to Bible reading plans, and there's a whole section labeled Youth, and one of the devotions we recommend is Questions Teens, Questions and Answers about the Bible. It takes you 10 days to complete it. It's about five minutes per day, and it will just ask a big question about the Bible, and then it will answer it in a way that you can understand. Super easy to use, but this will start you connecting with God. Now, if you've done some of these Bible reading plans, then we want to challenge you to do something different. We want to challenge you to Go in your either your U version, your digital Bible on your phone or device, or to get a paper copy of the Bible and go to that book of Mark that we've been talking about tonight. We want you to open to that. We want you to read it. And anyone who comes to one of the 4640 pastors next Wednesday night and says, I read the book of Mark in the last seven days, so between now and next Wednesday night, we will give you some free stuff in concessions. We'll give you a soda, we'll give you a food item, we'll give you a couple of things so that you can enjoy. We are very motivated to motivate you to spend some time reading God's word for yourself. When you read it for yourself, your life will begin to change in huge ways. It's not enough to just sit here and listen to us pastors talk about how awesome Jesus is. We want you to read it for yourself, connect with God, start engaging with that roadmap called the Bible that God has given to each one of us. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you didn't just put us on this earth by ourselves with no way of knowing what was right or important, but you gave us the Bible and you gave us your Holy Spirit to help us understand the Bible. And so God, we ask that you would impart to each one of these young, young people a love for your Bible, that they would begin to understand it, they would read it for themselves, that they would encounter you as they do read it, their minds would be open and they would love it and get what it's saying to them. God, we pray that they would begin a lifelong relationship with you through spending time with you on a daily basis. Bless these students, keep them safe and protect them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening in 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.